0: All right, welcome back to the second half hour of our two-hour really live Green Rush show. We call it because it's the Business of Cannabis talk show on Pro Cannabis Media. I'm Jimmy Young, the founder of Pro Cannabis Media and sometime host of this program. And of course, we again want to thank uh, Gary Santo from Tilt Holdings for joining us for that half hour. It was fantastic to talk to him. And I love the fact that he went to Boston University, but I'll leave that alone. That being said, we're so happy to have another CEO join us for this half hour panel, if you will, half hour discussion. Her name is Sunday Seafried. And I said it right, right, Sunday?
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. Tell us about Safe Harbor Financial. I mean, I understand you're a lender to uh, cannabis businesses, and we all know how capital is dictating a lot of the launch of the cannabis industry
1: sure well we started actually safe harbor financial way back in 2015 and we really started with depository services because that was the real need of the industry at that point in time we never pushed ourselves faster than the regulators because we wanted to make sure that we had continuity for all of our businesses and the regulators were very comfortable And so we launched a lending program in late 2021, and very slowly and methodically, because we just, you know, coming from that banking background, that's what we do. Everything's slow in banking, if you know what I mean.
0: Well, add cannabis to that, and you're really at dog years. I mean, come on, that's not fair. That's true,
1: (laughs) I have to say that, you know, our team has, you know, and we just we just did the acquisition, so we were at well over 50 years of cannabis-related experience in the senior team, so that really lends itself well to understanding these businesses as we want to make loans to them. So, we are really focused on senior secured debt at this point in time. And there's a lot of good real estate opportunities out there. While most of the market is offering somewhere, you know, specialty lenders between 18 and 36% on an annual basis. We're between, I, we just did a quote for 8%, 8 and 13%. So we're trying to normalize it. And while, you know, we, we go through the normal credit analysis that a financial institution would, we're not doing these projection loans because we want to make sure that we're working with financial institutions and they feel very comfortable with what we're doing.
0: Right. Josh, go
1: ahead. You, since you've already interviewed Sunday, I'm sure you have a favorite question
0: you want to ask her. Or topic to talk about. Look at him checking his. Well, notes. I, w- I was going to ask a follow
2: up about that. You know, Sonny, you, m- you mentioned about the senior secured debt issuances that you're offering right now, and I noticed that, I think, I think right now, eighty six percent or more of all um, funding is being is is through debt issuances, and it's at an all time high. Why is that?
1: Well, you know, in my opinion. There were a lot of situations where cannabis companies were taken advantage of in the last 10 years and they gave up a lot of equity. And I think it was painful for them And I think the other fact is, is the market's pretty tight at this point in time to go out there and raise equity. But I really think it's because they don't want to give up ownership. We're getting a a whole nother group of professionals coming into the the uh, cannabis industry. And I think they realize debt's the way to go because you can manage that and own the company. So that's my opinion as to why debt is moving ahead and it's becoming more available. Everybody wants a lending relationship out there. That's what financial institutions have been waiting for. The problem is they jump in on the the lending part, but they don't understand the companies and they don't understand the cash flow and they don't understand what the differences are in cannabis and and, and normal business. So that's where I'm seeing people actually fall down or make mistakes and uh, exit the business once they get into it.
3: Mm -hmm. Now, I have a question. Do you have to work with any major federal banking system, like any companies, or do you do everything in-house as safe harbor financial, and you don't even have to work with the other bank institutions for any kind of lending?
1: Well, it goes both ways. So first of all, yes, on the balance sheet of financial institutions right now, that's what gives us our capital advantage because we get a very low capital against our deposits. The cost of capital so really low which makes it very advantageous to us and the bank gets different servicing fees from us so that is definitely a positive to work with the financial institution against our deposits the other way of doing that is getting the line of credit from a financial institution or wherever we get it and again what they want they want all of our deposits they want to see what our deposits are and then they'll give us a line of credit You know, based upon those average deposits, which average over 200 million at this point in time, and that allows us then take control of that line of credit rather than worry about the balance sheet of the bank. But uh, that does become a little more expensive, but not that much, because, again, we're in a really unique position where... We have had, we've been the front runners for eight years, and they're trusting us. We've been through 16 federal and state exams. They know that we know the money, and they also know that we're going at it from a very secure um, perspective in terms of what we're underwriting. And that's the kind of lending banks want to do, naturally. So that's the area we're trying to stay in. Nothing too it doesn't mean we don't do something where we'll include the assets of licenses or we'll include the assets of equipment. It just means we we lead with real estate to make it really secure and get the comfort of our our financial institutions.
2: What are we talking about in terms of of that premium for uh, you know marijuana related businesses? Because if people are going to go after uh, a different money transmitting service. It's only going to be because the fees that are being charged are probably too much. Otherwise, they're going to want the uh, affiliation and and ease and convenience and everything else that a traditional bank is offering. So what is that premium? Is it substantial? You said it's not that much. What is it these
1: days? Oh, you know, I'd say it's in our case, like it's three to 6% in terms of interest rate. But again, it really depends. Now, if we're going on the high end up to that 13%, which is probably the highest one we made, we're looking at construction loan, right? We're looking at something that's got a little more risk to it. We're looking at the fact that we got to be out there on site making sure things are, are being constructed in the timely manner and they're going to be able to get to that cash flow they've promised. So I, I would say that the, the premium is really based upon the type of loan we're making. But I, you know, like I said, this this last one we quoted at 8%. Pure real estate, all under 50% LTV, solid real estate. But there's differences. Like when we went through NASDAQ to get uh, um, listed, we had to make certain concessions that said, this is how we're going to treat cannabis loans. The the big issue there is, think about this. If we have a, a loan out to a cannabis shop and they default any way, shape or form, we can't touch that product. So then we have to hire an intermediary. Now that's going to be expensive for us to get somebody in between so there are other things we have to do the other thing is on on cannabis you have to interface with the client much more frequently you don't just do an annual you're always constantly watching whether they're getting licenses whether there are violations of those licenses it's 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 more regulated at the state level therefore we have to be more alert about everything that's going on in that company
2: so there was a KYC or know your customer in the traditional world it sounds like you have a lot more scrutiny and due diligence the the FTX issue there's a lot of uh, that crypto people who thought people were doing their due diligence and they really weren't they're just riding on the backs and I've seen it in the cannabis industry too with angel investors who just don't there's FOMO everywhere and they just assume everyone else has already done it uh, but you guys are actually doing a lot of the the scrupulous work for for due diligence and and staying on top of it and that's part of that management fee I'm assuming
1: Yes. And and, yeah, so you'll pay a premium. You talk about uh, servicing fees usually run about 50 basis points and we probably somewhere 80 basis points, right? Because we not only have to watch the loan in the company, we have to know that the money we're taking in is solid and validated, you know, good funds that are not illicit coming into the system. So every dollar we move into the system has to be monitored and validated because we know there's a black market out there operating in plain sight, and that money is going to find its way into the system somehow if we're not monitoring. And, and these are the things that keep our regulators comfortable. So we're constantly working with the bank, as you asked, you know, we're working with the financial institution. We can't afford to get them in trouble, so we're still operating at the standard the regulators are ha- you know, have comfort and expect the bank to operate. And I'm going out of limb thinking you were hoping for that
0: passing of that Safe Banking Act in the Senate, and after passing seven times in the House,
1: at some point we're going to get rid of 280E, right? You know, this is my my opportunity to give you my opinion, right? I want opinions. It's a talk show, okay? Um, I think you know. Isn't that funny how that came out right there at the midterms, right? And oh, we're going to throw the industry a bone wouldn't surprise me if they they get all the way through this process and they move it from a Schedule 1 to a Schedule 2, and that does not alleviate 280E, but it sure does throw the industry a bone, doesn't it? I think when you're really going to see action is at the next election cycle. When you talk about 280E and moving that away, you have so many agencies involved here, but let's first start fighting with the IRS, who's collecting a lot of money and laying people off. They're really not going to want to give up that income. Then if you want to go to straight legalization, right, eight years trying to pass safe banking and tomorrow we're going legal. I mean, people, that's great hope, but it's kind of a dream because it isn't just Congress, it isn't just the Senate. They have to deal with the DOJ, the the DEA, FinCEN, all of those agencies are going to push back because their job is to fight crime. And they see the black market sitting right in front of the legal market. And until they can really sort through, because there's still a lack of trust. I think anybody in cannabis knows education is key, right? And until you educate somebody over and over again, they're not going to gain any comfort with dealing with the industry. And I think that's where our federal agencies are now. Yeah, that's a
0: that's a great point. And uh, one of the things that has been interesting to watch here in Massachusetts is the the market uh It gets announced, it starts, and it kind of starts flourishing, and the the price is way up here, and then reality hits, and 254 dispensaries later, and that price is coming down. I mean, it's truly an economic lesson if you watch exactly what's going on, but it's the legacy market that seems to be um, flourishing during the legal rollout of the industry. Is that
1: a concern? I really like the the term legacy market.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I like it too. I I spent a lot of time in it back in the day. Let's just say, you
1: know, <laughs> even in psilocybin, because I've been really uh, taking that on. They don't use black market anymore. They don't use illicit. They use the underground, right? The underground market. So, um, yeah, I think that I think the problem is is that the taxation level on cannabis industry is so high that it is cheaper to buy it from the black market. But I was thinking about this the other day. What they have to do is convince the consumer at this point in time that they want the good, clean cannabis. You don't know what you're getting out of that legacy market, right? It's kind of like going back on that war on drugs where they put those commercials out there. I think states have to realize if they want their legal markets to succeed. They're going to have to get behind why. They want them to succeed. And the tax benefit to the state is huge. They can afford to put a little money into supporting the industry, I think. Oh, <laughs>
0: I'd love to see that because there's a lot of there's a lot of tax money that's been out there. And, and I might say here in Massachusetts, there was a little misappropriation of some of those funds in one city in particular, where the entire revolution started, in case you don't know, it was Boston. Anyway, uh, let, let's move on. Uh, Doug, you got something for Sunday? I don't want to hog
3: this. Uh, I was actually going to ask because I, I realized that you uh, acquired Abaca, the technology company. Yeah, I, I had no idea. I was doing a little research and I noticed that and I was familiar with that company. And I was like, oh, wow, that's uh, quite impressive because they, they're quite an impressive technology company in the cannabis space. So how with that acquisition, does it help the financial side?
1: Well, yeah, so um, a couple of things there. First of all, um, what they bring to the table is they're coming from that technology perspective. And I'm coming from the banking perspective, right? And so they have a piece of technology that's really going to help us scale our business. So it was really essential when you're going out to the investors and talking about how you're going to scale the business, you got to finish the model first. So that was why they were our first acquisition. They brought that to the table. They know how to deal with the banks, though, too. Make no mistake, they've been dealing with banks all this time, too. But, you know, the industry is small, just like, you know, cannabis industry is small. Things get around. We have actually worked with these other um, service providers for years. So we actually knew how to sort out some of the real true cultures who want to serve the industry, who want to do it right, who have been doing it right from those who may be flying by the seat of their pants, always taking investor monies. Avaca was a good solid company. They really bootstrapped it. They really focused on compliance and brought technology to the forefront. We, of course, focused on compliance at the back end of banking, even though our software now between the two of us, we have very complementary softwares between our banking compliance software that we built, proprietary, and then their FinTech platform. So that's where that's going to work. Now, we all know integration takes time. Energy, time, oh, did I say energy? I'm not getting any younger here.
3: And a whole lot of time. Welcome to the club.
1: Well, you know, I think once we get through the integration, which is, you know, we're, we're really starting that at this point in time now that the announcement's been made, you know, combining the books, looking at staffing, optimizing our position, what I think you're going to see is us grow into that position. We are seeing other financial institutions exit the business and want to, you know, sell their portfolios because the regulator pressure is too too difficult, or we're having people approach us because they're saying, now that you're on the NASDAQ, now that you're starting acquisitions, we don't necessarily want to compete. How do we work together? So I see a lot of consolidation opportunity happening for happening for us, and then we'll be able to grow into some of the inefficiencies we may have right now because of the combination. So I'm always looking at job security for employees. It's really important to me. So now I've got to go out there and work for it, don't I? <laughs> That's Uh, that's a
3: beautiful acquisition, though, I have to say. It's uh I can see why the two companies would merge together completely and it'll be a powerhouse.
1: We're gonna hope. We're gonna try.
0: Do our best.
3: Well, best of luck.
0: Thank you. Josh, you got something? I got something, but I want I want to give you guys a chance to talk to somebody. Well,
2: I guess with that technology, is is it still going to require regulators to give the okay for? Uh, you know, debit and credit cards, that that's going to be the safe banking act, essentially. Um, But Are you guys prepared for, for when that happens?
1: Uh, Yeah, I I guess it's my opinion based upon the years with, um, you know, with discussions we've had with MasterCard and Visa and major credit cards. I don't see safe banking doing it. Hmm. I think it's going to take full legalization to start putting that money through the networks i that's, <laughs> that's that's my opinion and you already know what i think about full legalization that's going to be a while but i yeah, do think it's, it's I, I, you know it's down the road it's just a matter of time the the fact is safe banking doesn't take away what we consider the elephant in the room and that's bank secrecy safe banking just says i'm not going to prosecute you abaca or safe harbor because of the fact you're processing cannabis funds and moving them into the system where that's what it takes away it also may take away and add the fact that uh, we won't be excluded right now you know it's very difficult in cannabis world to get insurance coverage without a cannabis exclusion right so once we get safe banking they're going to start to see this is okay to start to insure And, and some of the insurers i've worked with over the years started trying to get into that early which i give them a lot of credit for being pioneers And even the Federal Reserve, there are some Federal Reserves that don't want to openly take cannabis. In the Federal Reserve system to put money into the system, it's a don't ask, don't tell. If I go to the Federal Reserve and say, I want to put cannabis money through the Federal Reserve, they're going to say no and I'm going to shut your entire financial institution down from accessing the Federal Reserve because it's illegal and you're doing something illegal. So we've had this happen with some financial institutions. Don't ask, don't tell. But I can tell you that every Federal Reserve that we deal with knows we're processing cannabis. We just don't talk about it. (laughs) It's, It's a very interesting situation, but I was afraid of that right from the beginning that Partner Colorado would be shut down and the whole membership would not have access to the financial system. So like three months in, April 2015, I sat in front of Esther George, the president of the Kansas City Federal Reserve, and I said, we're banking cannabis. (laughs) We're running cannabis money through the system. Uh, It was one of those things, if you don't want me doing this, shut me down early because I don't want the cannabis industry depending on me and then me not being reliable and getting too far into this, right? Transparency has its benefit. And she actually came up to me after the session and she thanked me for making Colorado safer and getting that money accounted for so that she knew I was running valid legal money from legitimate businesses through the Federal Reserve. There you go. It takes a woman. I keep saying that. Okay.
0: I keep saying that. All right. You <laughs> I by the way, I'll be happy to talk to your husband about that too. He knows it already, though. <laughs> I'm gonna go into He knows it. That being Sunday, I do I do want to ask you about uh um an interview Boris Johnson had, the CEO of CureLeaf at MJ BizCon. And he was he's espousing that the cannabis industry eventually will go to be look just like big tobacco or big alcohol. Do you do you share that vision?
1: Only in a disappointed way, or so. I, you know, we started way back in 2015. I got to know all the mom and pops. I got to know the little shops, you know. Then we saw phase two come in and they started selling to these larger multi-state operators or single state operators with a lot of shops and consolidation happened. But who could blame them? I knew they were tired. They were fighting an uphill battle that was Mm -hmm. just wearing everybody out. I get it. Like I said, I'm not getting any younger. I get it. But, you know, do I... I hope not. I see the attempt to do that. What's really gonna scare me is we, is when and if we see the pharmaceuticals come into it and take control of the product. Then what happens to it at that point in time? Maybe they'd rather sell um, something else instead of cannabis. That would, that would make me nervous. So I, I, you know, I'm watching these waves come through and I'm hoping the, 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 the boutique shops continue to exist. But right now, we're seeing the problem if you're not vertically integrated, it's getting really difficult. You don't have control of the product, the supply line, and everything else. Wow. Interesting. Hey, uh, Sunday, I really appreciate uh, you taking some
0: time today and and joining us on a Friday afternoon. Um, (laughs) As you can tell, I have a philosophy where I'd like to surround myself with smart, beautiful women. and. (laughs) Uh, You know, and listen to them, by the way, not just surround yourself, but actually listen to their guidance and, and their wisdom and their insight, because I really think the old white man has screwed up this country, but good over the last 100 years in so many ways. And I think it's time that the men in this country understand it's time to give equal opportunities to females. And in the cannabis industry, you see a lot of that, don't you?
1: Ah, uh, you know, I'm not as a, much as you'd like, I bet. No, well, I, I think it's always difficult. I'm in the finance world. So let's, let's face it. Right. You know, finance right. is a man's world completely, but you know, I just bulldoze my way through. <laughs> Good tactic. I like that.
0: We'll leave it at that. Um, Cindy, Sunday, I, I, thank you so much uh, for joining us here on Green Rush Live. We are going to take a break.
2: With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go
0: to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.